The thoughts, opinions, and general overall shades thrown on High at Nine News are those of the individual speakers and not those of High at Nine News, its audience, or its advertisers. The statements made do not constitute medical, legal, or financial advice. And for advice tailored to your specific situation, please consult with a licensed professional. Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at nine with us. Oh, yeah, everyone. Good morning. It is Monday, July 24th, and today is International Self-Care Day. Oh, yeah. Sounds like it's a Manny and Petty Day for somebody. It's also National Amelia Earnhardt Day, National Cousins Day, National Thermal Engineer Day, because, you know, thermal engineers, you know, there's a lack of those. Also, National drive Through Day, because everyone loves to drive through. And, of course, oh, yeah, oh, here we go. It is also National Tequila Day. Oh, take a shot. Oh, thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live on the Internet. We're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Twitter spaces. And if you also are joining us in Twitter spaces, you can also participate in the show by raising your hand if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. But kicking it off, oh, yeah, we have the dope dad himself. That's right, the master flip-flopper, the master diaper changer. That's right. Oh, yes, it is Rico Lameet. You're on mute, Rico. There we go. How's that? A little better? Way better. A little better. <laughs> that was the weakest, weakest round of applause I've ever heard. <laughs> Nonetheless. All right, so uh, uh, my story today uh, is coming out of the Empire State. Big shout out to New York. And um, let's see. And so um, they are actually reneging on their pulling of the farmers markets. So it looks like New York State farmers market that gaff, uh, that Governor Kathy Hochul's team just killed off last month is back like a left something. Uh, just don't call it a farmers market. It goes by, quote unquote, cannabis showcase now. Last week, the New York Cannabis Control Board approved a revolution uh, resolution that allowed sales outside of dispensaries, announcing the launch of a new cannabis showcase program, allowing legal sales outside of dispensaries. The Cannabis Growers Showcase, or CGS initiative, uh, will allow Empire State's first legal in-person cannabis sales beyond the walls of licensed dispensaries, something the public's been asking for for months. Uh, the initiative allows growers to partner with conditional adult use retailers and processors across New York to organize events for showcasing New York brands and selling adult use cannabis products to consumers. It's also great. Uh, it's also going to grant farmers the ability to process and sell products faster and give consumers legal access to cannabis in regions currently without dispensaries. Under the new initiative, retail markups will be capped to keep prices competitive, and each CGS event must feature a minimum of three adult-use uh, conditional cultivators partnering with a licensed adult dispensary to sell licensed and tested cannabis products to consumers. But not everybody will be getting in on the fun. CGS events will only be allowed in municipalities cleared for legal cannabis sales uh, with a predominantly adult population. I don't know why the adult municipality detail was in the article. Um, maybe New York's got, you know, uh, got, got some, 
uh, municipalities with more minors than adults. Uh, maybe that's where they found those eleven thousand pounds, uh, eleven thousand dollar pop uh, pounds at you know the infamous Lord of the Flies district. Uh, but yeah, uh, only adults over the age of twenty one will be able to purchase cannabis products at CGS events, uh, and for every three cultivators with an adult use retailer uh, selling products there, uh, one will also be privileged to sell value-added products like edibles, drinkables, and other, uh, and vape cartridges. Uh, so a two-to-one ratio flower to everything else um, at these events. Uh, to ensure compliance and adherence to regulations, operating participants are required to obtain municipal approval unless the event is held at a licensed retail dispensary where cannabis sales typically occur. Um, I think it's a positive for those looking to operate legally in New York. It doesn't do anything. You know, the people in the trap you can keep on doing what they do. Uh, the problem, from my point of view, is at least um, it seems that Hochul's team is scrambling to please everybody, creating a confusing regulatory landscape for well-intended business owners. Um, they're all over the place with their decisions on access and enforcement, and the rules may end up just being ignored by players on both sides of the game, as we've seen happen elsewhere. That's just my opinion. I'd love to hear what everybody else has to say about this one I'm, um, and about New York's uh, Cannabis Showcase Initiative. My name is Rico Lamite, dopest dad on the street. What do y'all think? Is it going to work out? I mean, are they just deciding I mean, they to just finally deciding? allow uh, sales at public events because they know that they're not going to be able to stop any sales at public events because they haven't been able to stop anything else in New York? I think so. They're just finally going to cave into the trap? I wouldn't say cave into the trap, but um, uh, they got to throw a bone to these uh, cultivators, man. They're just sitting on all that stale product. Um and they have nothing to do to, to operate. Uh, uh, Hochul has done a lot over the last couple of weeks. They've been um, onboarding a ton of retailers. Um, I don't know how that's going to play out in the long run, um, but it's, it's still nowhere near the numbers that we, we were expecting in the, in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And isn't this isn't this a reverse of a reverse of a reverse decision? It sounds like you're describing. Uh, flip-flopping yeah 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 flip because because at first they're gonna allow you know for, for these farmers markets and they came back and said no farmers markets and this this just sounds like they're allowing for another farmers market again all over a sudden that's what it sounds, sounds like, to me. like the cannabis industry and another example of how fast laws can change well, this, is, this is a political pissing match, which is what I told y'all it was weeks ago when all this was going down. Nobody listened to Aunt Gigi. This was a political pissing match between the OCM and the governor's office. The governor was not happy when the OCM came out and announced it. She shut it down, and now she's announcing it as something different. That all it is, political pissing match. Where is good old Dale when you need him pissing up a rope? I mean, come on. That's all this was in New York. <laughs> Weed is not legal. Cannabis is legal. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and I would say, Jason Beck, this is not caving to the trap. This is embracing the trap. This is embracing the trap. Embracing oh. the trap. A, that's an interesting PR spin there. That's an interesting spin from you, Gretchen. Embra New York embracing the trap because they can't stop it. I bet. Oh man, I bet. Oh man. What do you, what do you think about this one, Yara? I mean, I think I think it pits retailers against cultivators when we talk about these farmer market models, because um, we've got a lot of people in Southern California who are pretty committed to their delivery and brick and mortar licenses. And we've got a lot of farmers up north who would really like to be able to access customers and bypass a bunch of other license holders. So I think until we can align everybody's economic interests, we will have various factions. Do you think it'll work well, out in New York? I got a question for you, Rico. Does it outline how often these things are occurring? Because no, I disagree nope. that this pits nope. retailers against. It doesn't outline. If New this York. is going to nope. happen, if it's going to nope. happen, Yaro, like once a month, I, I mean, really, is that really going to impact yep. the retailer from selling? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Even if so, it does, I don't buy that for a second. Well, it, so, it should still be allowed. It, it, it 100% does. Details, the details are missing and the details are everything. And so the details are missing. And that's what New York has done. Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do those details TBD. Well, those details aren't TBD. Those details are everything. And so how is this going to work? What does that look like? How does everybody get their bed, their bread buttered? Mm -hmm. 
Yep, and 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 it's like and it's like this. What's the what's the point to a retailer going to participate in this event if the brands are just going to be undercutting them every step of the way, just you know, direct to consumer? That doesn't make no, any what sense. What a retailer does is they go to that event and say, "This is I sell, or this farmer usually sells to me, okay, and here you can get it. You can try it out here." But if you want to get it on the regular basis when these types of events aren't available, no. I'm your retailer. Sorry, that's not how that yeah, works. Yeah, Jason Beck, let's look at a little Kumbaya community that bullshit. Nah, nah, and nah. that is how this is going to work. Hell to the no. Well, I'm with Christian on this one. Like, yeah. you Kumbaya in New York. Kumbaya in New York. Like, Kumbaya might be the name of a restaurant in New York, but there's nothing <laughs> very Kumbaya about New York. Yeah. So, I mean, let's not let's, let's not get, let's, let's let's get a little more love up there in New York. I don't understand. Let's what the not problem smell is. the patchouli around the didgeridoo concert circle and think that it's all peace and love. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew Saint Germain, what do you have to say on this? The majority of cannabis brands we see that are doing well focus on community and on working together. See that with Farmer and Fel- uh, Farmer the Felony Kalia. Really, we see it with Kalia Extracts and almost every other brand. Uh, the folks that that learn to work together thrive. Cannabis has always been about community and cooperation. Um, there's a momentary hijacking in in the 2015, 2016, 2017 to current era by a lot of people who are more well more focused on capitalism. But cannabis itself continues to defy capitalism, and we're going to see this happening. With all these cats rolling out the uh, the mushrooms next, um, these these substances actually <laughs> turn us towards community and do not reward avarice. And we're just going to keep watching that play out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also, when it comes to farmers markets, the great thing about this is that you're getting attached to and getting to associate with individuals who are probably not cannabis users. You're getting an opportunity to engage with folks and educate folks and be a part of that community and showing that you're not a threatening business when you're a cannabis entity. Really important piece. And also straight up, y'all can just go ahead and buy booth space at farmer's markets and just not have your product on hand, but collaborate with a local delivery service in that area. Team up, boom, you're in a farmer's market and you're selling products. Mm -hmm. Snap! Great points oh, all around. Yeah. Oh yeah. We done with that one. You're, yeah, I'll even mm-hmm. put this out there. If you're a Sacra- if you're in California, and you want to be operating out of Sacramento, and you want to get involved in the farmers markets up here, call Canagram. We will talk about carrying your product for the farmers markets. How about that? Woo-hoo. Plug it. Mm-hmm. Cute, 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 cute. Very, very, very cute. But it's, it's going to be a very cute. different. It's smart business sense, and don't patronize her, Jason Beck. It's cute. cute. It is no, cute. I'm serious. I know. I know. Mandy's serious. I don't doubt that for. I don't doubt that for one second. But in regards with with New York, I this pity is, the man this is... who calls me fucking cute. Go fuck yourselves. That makes me pissed. Anyways, next. <laughs> you guys can call me cute. I like it. <laughs> well, you're adorable. You're pocket size, Matthew Saint Germain. Thank you, you're, thank you're you so cute. much. He's pocket size. I would go fuck myself, but that's a different podcast on a different yeah, show. Yeah, and y'all don't even hot. have the prescription or renewal yeah, model, so you mm-hmm. don't get to see that on a Monday. Oh you yeah, fuck yourself. Get my mind. Yeah, we're going to a OnlyFans. We're going to a commercial. We'll be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. You're on mute again, Rico. I don't know what's up What's going on with you, bro? We can't hear you. I see your lips moving. Oh, there we go. There we go. Now we hear you. Whatever you did, whatever you did worked. The internet's racist, bro. I bet. (laughs) I bet. I bet. I bet. I bet. Coming up next, the longest continuously operating retailer in the game, Mr. West Hollywood himself. They also call him White Gucci in Detroit and Gucci Blanco down in Mar-a-Lago. The undying support and thirst for everything Donald J. Trump is apparent this morning. Jason Beck. Oh, yeah. That's right. Good morning, Rico. Hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. 
I know, I know I did. But I can tell you who's not probably having a good day. Cannabis brand cookies. Because they are being sued by another investor group. That's right. More cookies investors have sued the cannabis industry, darling, claiming the prominent California-based marijuana uh, mismanaged their $15.5 million through multi-million dollar kickbacks and other self-dealing. That benefited company founders and investors' expense uh, court documents filed this week show. But what could be more troubling sign for cookies as well as the struggling marijuana industry is cookies allegedly ran out of money last summer when it missed a key valuation and then burned through most of the additional $23 million raised earlier this year. Oh, boy. A cookie spokesman declined to comment to MJ Biz Daily, although in a court filing on Friday, the company's president rejected many of the new lawsuit's allegations. The latest claims filed along a request for a judge intervention in company business on Thursday in Los Angeles Superior Court mirror separate allegations against cookies made in two other legal matters filed earlier this year. In those matters, one of which was settled and another that's still pending, other cookies partners and investors also claim that the company's executives, including CEO and public face Gilbert Malam Jr., better known as Burner, diverted cookies investor cash into personally owned side companies. But this goes further. Stand by. The investors Wilder Ramsey and Tom Linovitz of Red Tech Holdings and Grown Ventures claim that cookies burned through cash and ran out of money after wildly missing its numbers last summer and failing to support a $275 million evaluation according to Thursday's filings. Uh, this this year uh, this year as lawsuits piled up, Cookie spent most of a of a separate twenty three million raised this spring with Dallas based Entourage Effect Capital and is currently trying to raise even more money, according to the investors. Red Tech invested ten million into Cookies in twenty nineteen, and Grand Ventures invested five and a half million back in twenty twenty, according to filings. And according to Cookie's response, the entities are affiliated with tech billionaire Vinny Smith who is not named in the plaintiff filings. The the investors filed a arbitration against Cookies in December of 22, according to filings, and Cookies filed a counterclaim back in April of 23. That matter is still pending. The investors asked the judge in a filing on Thursday to impose a restraining order to stop company executives from continuing to run Cookies into the ground while the arbitration claims are settled. A hearing on the restraining order was scheduled for 8.30 a.m. on Friday, and in a, in a response filed in court Friday, Parker Burling, Cookie's president, said many of the investors' claims are demonstrably false. Or excuse me, demonstrably false. Further imposing a restraining order would cause irreparable harm to Cookies by bringing its business operations to a halt for over a year while the arbitration is pending. Attorney for the the company responded in an objection filed on Friday. And Cookies claims that it tried to return the principal to the investors who in turn are trying to extort undue influence over cookies in bad faith, the company claimed. An attorney for the plaintiffs did not respond to a request for, a request for comment on Friday, and in court filings, the plaintiffs claim they made their investments with written binding assurances that there were no agreements, understandings, or proposed transactions between cookies or any outside ventures controlled by the directors. Instead, the plaintiffs claim cookies administered at least seven different transactions of self-dealing, which were not previously disclosed. These include cookies investing in a garden supply company, mostly owned by Burling, um, a deal in which Cookies pays a software company controlled by Burner and Burling 20000 per month for unspecified software development fees, and separate deals in companies including Rolling Paper Brand Vibes and Sacramento, California-based cultivator and processor Natura. Further, the plaintiffs claim earlier this year, Cookies plotted a transfer, its most valuable asset, its cannabis production rights, to yet another affiliate entity called Cookies Production Incorporated. The, Im- the improper, unapproved $23 million transaction led by Entourage Effect Capital rendered the plaintiffs' investments in Cookies worthless, they claim, and according to the investors' claims, Cookies has somehow already burned through most of that $23 million with only a few months and is preparing to enter yet into another unapproved financing deals within the next month. 
man oh man oh man oh man oh man oh man this is this just sounds all all bad for cookies and a lot of misappropriated funds but this is jason beck for the high at nine news hour what do y'all have to say about this things are piling up I mean, when you're getting sued for the same thing by multiple people man this is rough 23 million in just a few months i mean man they were just closed that in like late spring mm -hmm. i think it was like mid to end of april i think mm -hmm. interesting yeah, things are piling up for them over there man um i don't know like burner's response on the first time the story was posted was it's a um, wait till you hear the whole story it's all one-sided mm -hmm. um I'm not seeing many arguments being made um, on the other side of the equation, at least publicly. So, so. Is this cool. the same? Is it? I'm sorry. Is this the same lawsuit, Rico, that we discussed oh. before? No, this or is a brand one? new oh, one. This is a new one. one. Yeah. yeah. Also, like every week. No, the other side of the coin here is that we're seeing multiple investors, I mean, dozens of them from all over the world, who are not usually tied to cannabis. These are newer investors who expected to flip a, you know, quick, you know, couple million. And they're not seeing that because they didn't know that everything was going to shit the bed. They dumped their money right. in, right? right? So, you know, buyer's remorse much also. Like, this is not a get rich quick situation anymore. This is a long game industry. You're building an mm -hmm. industry. Mm -hmm. If you don't... If you don't have a playbook to go off of, then you're just flying by the seat of your pants and going by what the best of your intuition and experience tells you. And you're jumping in with hundreds of millions of dollars in a circumstance like that. And you think that you're just going to win just because you ought to. Right. Oh, man. I have a question for you, Gretchen, in regards with this. Mm -hmm. um, uh, because they missed they just recently missed their their uh, their their filings uh, for their for their valuations. Does that mean that Forbes could possibly have to rescind the article that they did on Burner? And the and the high kite cookies valuation. <laughs> They're gonna pull a Kylie Jenner and claw that back and say, "Oh no, you didn't," because the article mentions a two hundred and seventy-five million dollar valuation, not a billion. That's a multiplier of four. Even I know how to do that math. So yeah, there's a really strong chance Forbes could go oops and walk it back. Well, I doubt Forbes is gonna point it out to anyone that they I made a mistake. Right over um, it. Yeah, because yeah, that was quite a while ago, Jason Beck. Shit changes. It's not like they made a mistake and it's the next day it was wrong. No, that's not how corrections work. Um, I think this is, frankly, and, and they might be completely in the right, but I think this is an opportunistic lawsuit uh, of kicking them while they're down because now they can really go after them uh, because now they're, they're going to have divided focus. This is how you kill a company, um, and oh. I think that's what's going on. I don't think it's so much that, and I'm sure there's plenty of pissed off investors out there, but I think they're looking at this is our opportunity, especially if the other one goes through. Um, they're looking to try and get their money out as well uh, for this company being destroyed. I don't think Cookie's going to last much longer. That's my you know, you know, a couple things. Listen to me. So a couple things happen. come up for me, right? Totally die. I don't think that will ever happen. The, brand the first is, way is too strong. It's the strongest brand in weed. The, the mm -hmm. couple but things came up for me. First is, you know, I think about that movie American Gangster, and you know, somebody took a shot at Denzel, and then Armand and Sante said, you know, your success took a shot at you. You get to a certain point where people are just going to take shots at you, and 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 there's been a recent spate of lawsuits against cookies, and 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 to to. To my cohort's point, you know, one of the most recognizable brands, maybe maybe their success takes has, is taking shots at them. And yet, on the other hand, I get back to what Mandy said, which is, you know, if, if, if five people call you a horse, it's probably time to buy a saddle. So we're seeing these themes in these lawsuits from different uh, plaintiffs uh, against Cookies the Defendant. And these themes, there's some common threads in there. And so 
I'm always worried because Burner and company is sophisticated enough to know there's two places that this plays out. One is in court and the other is in the court of public opinion. And in court, I'm sure they have great attorneys. You know, there was the, the, the seed junkies lawsuit. There was the, the cats from Cannacraft. I mean, these things have just started to stack up, right? But the second court where it plays out is the court of public opinion. And when you've got somebody who's an entertainer and a figurehead and a key man operation, because there's no cookies without Burner, I'm a little worried that they're not doing their job to make sure this plays out in the court of public opinion favorably because when they say oh yeah you know you'll get the truth later or it'll all come out in the wash or more from us later like that's not playing the court of public opinion it seems to me that if you're going to play the court of public opinion which is an, an important venue to be seen well in mm -hmm. you issue some counter argument some punch back something with a little bit of meat to it where you can go uh-uh that's not the truth and that's not the case and typically that would be a little bit more than you'll hear more from us later mm -hmm. well actually i think it was about a week ago and i believe it was either on twitter or linkedin burner did clap back at the at the whole um seed junkie lawsuit he did you could go right on there and watch it unless it's been taken down but i watched and the it whole was thing terrible it was, yeah. I don't think his lawyer would have been advising for him to Definitely do that. Definitely not. But he did back. He did. He called it out and he said what he had to say. So. Well, we'll and see. I think perhaps after that, Mandy, is why we're not hearing more on this one. I think probably someone said, shut your mouth. Could be. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, but he did. He, as, he, as it should. He, and he commented. That's the other thing, too. Sorry, sorry, Rico. No, I was just going to say, he, he commented uh, um, on the keyboard. He didn't comment verbally, though, on this one. My advice to everybody out there is if you're suing somebody or you're being sued or you're raising money and you've been successful in cashing that check, just keep your lips closed about it and keep working. Yeah. Don't go out there and talk about it because then you give everybody else all of this nonsensical opportunity to just keep throwing daggers. Just like work in silence. Go mm. Keep going. You know, I really wonder, too, because Cookies has uh, been been on this uh, on this new hype selling THCA flour. And I wonder if any of that money would be subject to any of these lawsuits or if that's just being held in a totally new company that they're putting all of that money into. It's probably we a separate company. THCA flour. THCA he means, he means flour. hemp derived, though. He's talking hemp derived. They're selling hemp derived. They're oh, delivering it. This so whole cookies thing is, is really just an example in, in typical good corporate business. Start off by taking someone else's IP genetics that you never grew because you've never grown weed in your life. You're tagged to it. You basically create a smoke screen to get a bunch of investment. You use that investment for your own personal gain. Then you tell the investors, oh, shit, sorry. And you wash out most of the investors who aren't in the first or second position in the business. Investors in the first and second position of the business take all of the assets created and they go on and, and either sell them at a profit or make a new company and continue on without the without those other investors. This is this is the whole thing that we're seeing in this this first round of of nearly all of these companies that look successful was a giant smokescreen in order to pull in millions of dollars of stupid investor capital. All of this capital has disappeared and it keeps going back to this. This is about community, not about capitalism. And anybody who wants to get rich quick, go into tech or start selling cocaine. Oh, man. And on that, we're going to move it right on into our feisty, redheaded conservative, Gretchen Gailey. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and loves pineapples. All things pineapples. Oh, oh yeah. On top of dressing up her dogs. And today, she happens to be also matching Yarrow today. That's right. It is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. Good afternoon from DC. Uh, my headline is a, a little different than I normally do, and you're gonna, I'm going to be reading it, and you're going to be wondering, where's the cannabis? Bear with me. It's kind of like, where's the beef? Bear with me. Tech giants, including Microsoft and Google, agree to White House AI safeguards. Amazon, Google, Meta, Microsoft, and other companies that are leading the development of artificial intelligence technology have agreed to meet a set of AI safeguards brokered by President Joe Biden's administration. The White House said Friday that it had secured voluntary commitments from seven U.S. companies meant to ensure their AI products are safe before they release them. Some of the commitments call for third-party oversight of the workings of commercial AI systems, though they don't detail who will audit the technology or hold the companies accountable. A surge of commercial investment in generative AI tools that can write convincingly human-like text 
and churn out new images and other media has brought public fascination as well as concern about their ability to trick people and spread disinformation, among other dangers. The four tech giants, along with ChatGPT, Maker, OpenAI, and startups Anthropic and Inflection, have committed to security testing, carried out in part by independent experts, to guard against major risks such as biosecurity and cybersecurity, the White House said in a statement. This will also publicly report flaws and risks in their technology, including effects on fairness and bias. Uh, the voluntary commitments are meant to be an immediate way of addressing risks ahead of a longer-term push to get Congress to pass laws regulating the technology. Some advocates for AI regulation said Biden's move is a start but needs more to be done to hold the companies and their products accountable. History would indicate that many tech companies do not actually walk the walk on a voluntary pledge to act responsibly and support strong regulations, said a statement from James Steyer, founder and CEO of the nonprofit Common Sense Media. Senate Majority Leader uh, Chuck Schumer, good old Chuck, said he will introduce legislation to regulate AI. Of course he will. Uh, the software trade group BSA, which includes Microsoft as a member, said Friday that it welcomed the Biden administration's efforts to set rules for high-risk AI sin- systems. Uh, saying that enterprise software companies look forward to working with the administration and Congress to enact legislation that addresses the risk associated with artificial intelligence and promote its benefits. Uh, now, what I say this has to do with cannabis is cannabis should have did this a shit ton long time ago. If they want to get what they want done in Washington, this community, this industry has to come together. They need to promote their own regulations, their own standards, because they're the ones who understand this industry. Just like Washington does not understand AI, they don't understand cannabis. So if you come to Washington and say, these are the rules that should be in place, guess what? They might actually just do it because they don't want to do the heavy lifting, as demonstrated by the good old FDA. This is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. Oh, boy. I see what you did there, Gretchen. I see how mm-hmm. you see how you like hit that little... It's like you're like ghost riding the whip. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what that means, like but it. all right. You don't know I what ghost riding the whip is, huh? I think I think you I think you're firing on firing on all cylinders right there, uh, Gretchen. Um, and uh, lead the way with the conversation. We need more people. Um, I think the difference here. I mean, uh, in Canada, the difference is have- these guys have money. That's the big difference. You you also have in in cannabis, you have an entire nation that's been preconditioned to believe that cannabis is evil. There it is. Well, and that's why you need to come together, Rico, to show that it's not to show that here are responsible actors, which for an industry you think is the boogeyman, you think are drug dealers, you think are just trying to get your kids high. That's why you Mm -hmm. need to come together and say, this is what's important to us. Keeping consumers safe getting medicine to patients. We need to come together and actually say these things, put them together in regs and standards that make sense and allow us to run the industry that we want. Not that some Washington lawmaker is going to dictate to you. I agree with you, Gretchen, but the thing is is that there's a lot of different factions within the cannabis space, and there's a lot of different motivations for different individuals. So like the MSOs, the MSOs but have a whole, whole totally Come different together. agenda. Yeah, that's, it's, not, it's not reality, though. You know, Why you're not, not going to have the small business owners agree on something and have the MSOs agree on the same thing. That's just not going to be reality because MSOs well, want a protectionist market, and small operators and want a and free and open market. Taking it over. Take it over. Just here you go, guys, because we can't get along. So let's get along with big pharma. Let's get along with alcohol and tobacco. The ones who are going to come it's in very, and say, this is very, how it very be possible. Run. And guess who's Washington's going to listen to? It ain't you. It's very possible. You're very right on that. I'm not mad at it. It's going to be who shows up. It's going to be they're going to listen to who's showing up and who's giving them the information and asking them to make certain decisions in certain ways every single day. Mm-hmm. Whoever's showing up. That's and, who they're going to listen to. And from a policy perspective, the lift that it takes to get various organizations and stakeholders on the same page mm-hmm. is massive. It's hurting cats at best. And if you look at the splinterization, the fragmentation of this industry, there's a new organization every week. The international left-handed rare cannabinoids, you know, I wear blue <laughs> on a Tuesday morning organization. There's like, and so to get all of those cats 
in the same direction. Like, I don't know that anybody has yet to demonstrate that getting everybody mm -hmm. on the same page is the same as getting policy changed or enacted or effectuated that benefits most stakeholders. I would argue it's probably, like Mandy said, better to just go represent, be heard versus trying to get everybody on the same page. Software industry is a far more mature industry where mm -hmm. goals are mostly in alignment. I mean, have you ever heard social equity, diversity, inclusion in software? No, unless we're talking about EB5 and maybe some of the brain drain and maybe bringing in some foreign people to be talent here in the United States. But aside from that, there's nothing really that controversial, right? And so. I think that it's a much it, it's it's a it's a simplified uh, equivalency to look at these industries. Now, do I think that we need to regulate so that we're not regulated against? Yes, but that notion of getting everybody on the same page, I'd rather drink sand than try to do that. I've done that from a policy perspective for years, almost going on a decade, and I have yet to truly believe that everybody being on the same page is the same as actually getting stuff done. Here's, um, here's yeah. the difference. Here's the difference. Y'all are looking at trying to create a thousand page rule book. I'm saying you come up with and this is all what this is, is a fucking PR stunt. Do you think real rules and things were actually rolled out at this? No. Oh, no. Hell no. Absolutely not. But what it is, is we're coming together on. It's all PR. Everything in this yeah. town PR. Mm -hmm. This is how you do it. You get people together, and you don't have to get people together. Frankly, Washington will be thrilled with seven MSOs coming together, coming out there saying we're making a commitment, we're across. That's why you need to bring in the smaller players. And there are organizations who have already been working on this in this industry for quite a while. So it would not be as hard as you think. Trust me, it is not as difficult as we are making it. When I am out there regular, trying to get people to be a co-sponsor for SAFE, you know what we ask lawmakers? We say, who is out here lobbying against SAFE? And they're like, nobody. Then why the fuck are you saying no? What do I have to do to convince you? I mean, clearly people want this and those who don't aren't out here bitching at you. So maybe it's time to start listening to the people who are up here trying to get something done. This idea that far not fucking true. They are not out there. They are not lobbying this issue. We need to be if we want it to be the way that we want it to be. To pretend that everyone else, the boogeyman is coming for us, so we're all going to put our heads in the sand and be scared and die while we wait for them to come kill us is ridiculous. If this industry could mobilize and do it, we would actually get somewhere. And, and it doesn't take that much. And it we, really doesn't. And we got to go to a commercial. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Oh, yeah. Stop whatever you're doing right now. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit the subscribe to the channel if you have not already. And make sure you tell a friend about this channel and share this with them because organic growth is the best growth. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yeah. This well-known industry expert and dedicated Mari Mama is a Northern California-based Emerald Cups edible judge known in certain circles as Carmen Sacramento. Y'all know who it is. Mandy Tingler, what you got for us today? Good morning, everybody. Today is a fun one. My headline reads, large amount of marijuana washes up on a Florida beach. This weekend in Neptune Beach, Florida, tons of loose, unpacked marijuana washed up on Florida's Neptune Beach, enough to cover parts of the shoreline. 
Bystander called police Saturday morning to alert them about a different type of seaweed that washed ashore. It turned out to be a large amount of marijuana. Beachgoer Brian Cruz said the beach looked like a scene out of a TV show. There was pot, just marijuana, all up and down here, he said. Don't know from personal experience, but watching shows, if you put it all together, it probably would have been five to ten pounds. Police posted photos on Facebook warning people not to try to pick up the marijuana or take it home, saying it was degraded and rotten. It also looked a lot like sargasm. Is sargasm, is that right? Yeah. A type of brown seaweed, so it's just too easy to get confused. Jack West was visiting the beach with his mother and knew something was off when he saw the marijuana. I did pick it up and smell it to see what it smelled like, and it was weed. So I was like, okay, that's kind of crazy, he said. His mom called 911. He said they were concerned about others, especially children, and whether the marijuana may have been laced with fentanyl. Oh. Uh, police officers came out to the beach and cleaned up the mess. They say it appeared to be a large amount of marijuana broke open at sea and separated before coming ashore. It's unclear who the substance belongs to. Now, folks, I think we might have some unhappy mermaids out there <laughs> who might have lost their stash. Where do you think all this seaweed came from? This is Mandy Tingler, aka Carmen Sacramento, coming to you live this morning on High at Nine News. Man, I, th I think this is Mary Med's weed. This is the weed that from from when they were uh, out there in the in the ship protesting all the high taxes, and they dumped all those little crates in the water, and they just basically floated down the coast, opened up, and this is all the weed that was inside of them. This is all from Mary Med. How, how much? I love it. Uh, 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 how many resources as far as uh, semen? Do you think they're going to need to come out? Oh jeez! Oh, oh man! Ew! Yeah. All okay, he took his shot. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just feeling like I was really anti-Ron DeSantis, and now with the weed on the beach policy, like I really need to revisit <laughs> Florida and think about whether maybe there's some policies down there that are more value aligned with the way I see the world. I mean, I between the Disney lawsuit and all the other stuff, and who cares about the manatees and all that other crazy educational assaults. You know, I was really feeling like Florida needed to just be lopped off the base of the of the of the you know the country there. But now that I know I can go stay at my favorite Marriott, see my grandparents' friends, get to a decent Jewish deli, and that you guys are, you know, you're chumming the waters for tourists like myself <laughs> to want to go there. And I'm like all for it now. I like Maui. Forget it. Boca Raton, I'm so there. I'm so there. It hurts to I'm move. So there. Maybe, maybe there's a maybe this is a subliminal uh, olive branch that uh, that uh, that uh, Meatball Ron is given to um, uh, Chris Christie because we all know he has a deep affinity. <laughs> oh boy! Oh man! You guys are you guys are funny today. You guys are funny. Great way to start off the week all this seaweed i like what johnny smash has to say pirate boofty that's what this is right here yes are they sure it wasn't green just green algae yeah what's going on i mean there? there's probably some sea kelp in there it's probably some of the healthiest weed you could actually smoke now with all that uh all those uh, amino acids and everything those electrolytes what does truly have to say about this truly right <laughs> Um, and you know what? We're going to keep it moving. We're going to move right on to the count. That's right. We have the count of St. Germain. He's been living around for centuries upon centuries, and he's here joining, getting high with us, getting high at nine. Oh, yes. It is the immortal count himself, Mr. Matthew St. Germain. Hey. Oh, I get, hey, I get applause, everybody. Happy Monday, y'all. Uh, so I've got a great story. Um, we just are watching the tide turn with plant, uh, plant-based, nature-based uh, psychedelics. This is Mayor Frey of Minneapolis is ordering police to lay off enforcing laws against hallucinogens. Comes from the local paper out, out of Minneapolis. 
Mayor Jacob Frey on Friday ordered police to back off from enforcing laws banning the possession and use of a number of naturally derived psychedelic drugs. In an executive order supported by Police Chief Brian O'Hara and hailed by advocates for increased acceptance of hallucinogens for their potential benefits, he ordered the city's police and regulators, regulators to make such laws their lowest enforcement priority. In other words, for user, users who are otherwise following the law, the cops are supposed to leave you alone if you're high on mushrooms at the park. I'm really certain there are a number of other incidents around the city that would require the assistance of an officer more than this, Frey said in an interview. Mayor added, I'm not saying go out there and take shrooms. Yeah, he is. I'm saying the science backs the argument that this is an important tool in the toolkit for depression, trauma, PTSD, and some of the deaths of despair that we're seeing out there. Substances remain illegal in certain activities, such as driving under the influence, commercially manufacturing, or handing them out on school grounds will still be subject to police enforcement under Frey's order. The order is broad and appears to direct Minneapolis police not to assist federal authorities if they're planning to make a raid to seize relatively small amounts of mescaline or other naturally derived psychedelics within city limits. This is part of a national trend and has some bipartisan support. So far, such steps have been taken only in predominantly liberal areas such as Denver, San Francisco, Detroit, Seattle, and the state of Oregon. This year, a bipartisan group of Minnesota legislators successfully pushed for the creation of a task force exploring the possible legalization of psychedelics for medicinal use. In campaigns similar to those uh, used for marijuana legalization, opponents push a constellation of arguments, both scientific and cultural. Number one, numerous scientific studies have shown that some of these compounds, really all of them, under some circumstances, can help treat a host of conditions ranging from PTSD to drug addiction. Removing the stigma is said to be crucial to both research and eventual use of the drugs. War on drugs has had disparate effects on communities of color, and these drugs are no exception. This is a racial justice argument. Indigenous peoples, including some Native Americans, have traditionally used some of the plants, such as mescaline-containing uh, peyote, for spiritual purposes. There's a religious freedom element as well. He said that destigmatizing the drugs was an important part of his thinking. He also noted that the order, which took effect Friday, doesn't amount to really a sea change for local police. It's not like we were really prior prioritizing this before, he said. Frey's order covers compounds derived from entheogenic plants and fungi, a term that describes naturally growing flora that can cause alterations in mood or perception. Include indolamines, tryptamines, and phenylethylamines. Not limited to, but including psilocybin mushrooms, ayahuasca, mescaline, and iboga. Doesn't cover every psychedelic drug, including synthetic drugs that have long been in use, such as LSD, ketamine, and ecstasy. Ketamine's already scheduled to leave. Uh, or MDMA, which is about to be... Um, legal for pharmaceutical use uh, by the FDA. Family of substances is generally not addictive, and the risk of deadly overdoses is seen as low. It really doesn't actually happen at all except with MDA and MDMA. They have not yet been approved as safe by the FDA. In recent years, studies from reputable institutions published in some of the top peer-reviewed medical journals have shown potential breakthroughs in treating a range of conditions, again, from smoking sensation, alcoholism, to PTSD and combat veterans. Now, statement from the American Psychiatric Association is hilarious because they say use of psychedelics can pose short-term and long-term risks, including hallucinogen use disorder and other mental health-related risks, according to their position statement. Now, the American Psychiatric Association is the same body that pushes SSRIs and SNRIs, which have shown to have uh, all kinds of side effects such as self-harm, suicidal and homicidal ideation, reduced uh, sexual... Um, uh, sex drive, et cetera. So these guys are totally into pushing stuff that destroys your liver and, and is really a guessing game with your, your psychology and neurology, even though uh, MAPS, Hans Hopkins, the Mayo Clinic, Harvard, Yale, and all of these say that these psychedelics are completely non-harmful. Uh, five researchers, including three doctors at the Mayo Clinic, published a report in the Journal of the Neurological Sciences last year that read in part, while preliminary findings on psychedelics are encouraging, current evidence is still insufficient to support extensive use of these drugs routinely. Long-term safety and efficacy of these compounds remains unclear, and several clinical trials are underway and may add clarity to these questions. I think this is a, a great development, and I'm, I'm ready for everybody to just jump into this discussion. This is Matthew St. Germain on a beautiful Monday for the Hyatt 9 News. What you guys got to say about this? Oh, boy, man. Magic mushrooms. Matthew St. Germain, the fun guy Woo! himself. Oh, yes. And they're going to be laying off enforcement of this stuff. So that means that the trap market is going to thrive, thrive, thrive out there. It's great. What I've seen in any community that includes um, fairly uh, repeated use of mushrooms is a, a greater urge towards community, less traffic, uh, less trash on the ground. 
more heart space, more compassion, more forgiveness, more inclusion. And I think if we look through to our history, every megalith building culture, every culture that has created high art has been aligned with psychedelics. And so for me, I am really excited to see this. I think that mushrooms especially may be the key to uniting the human race and getting us out of our current conundrum. Matthew St. Germain. What do y'all think? You, you, see, you see less trash in Oakland. Um, Oakland is it, in arrears since the FBI and the CIA began a targeted systematic destruction of the Black Panthers and the Black Intelligentsia in Oakland. Mm -hmm. um, the stated, the stated yeah. goal of COINTELPRO and Operation Chaos was to prevent the rise of a future Black Messiah and to keep the Black race under subjugation of institu institutionalized white supremacy. The Black Panthers began providing free food, free breakfast, free lunch, running a free library, and beginning the self-actualization and political motivation of black people in Oakland. The FBI responded by destroying the school system, assassinating or imprisoning all of the Panthers, and has continued to target and destroy the infrastructure of Oakland since that time. So if we really want to talk about what's going on in Oakland, it's literally the intelligence services and the government and old money in America continuing to destroy a community that almost reached for its own self-actualization. Want to see another analog? Look at Haiti. Haiti is the only Caribbean nation to throw off the yoke of slavery by the slaves themselves who defeated the French. And that's why there is no help given to Haiti. If you look at the difference between Haiti and the Dominican Republican, mm -hmm. the Dominican Republic, pardon me, which is still really run by European colonial powers. Dominican Republic is forested where Haiti is deforested because they can't have any resources to even cook food in their own home. So they've literally had to cut down every single tree on their part of the island just to be able to cook food. There's a cooking oil shortage. Haiti continues to live in destitute poverty with a gigantic AIDS crisis that no one will help as they threw off the yoke of slavery of, of the French. And so I think a lot of times when we talk about these stories, yeah, Oakland is totally upside down, but it's not an accident. And it has definitely not become because of mushrooms. And if you look at, uh, forgetting his last name, but Brother Reggie from Oakland Haife, who is a, a beautiful, intelligent black man who is a scientist, citizen scientist, and who grows mushrooms, who has been spreading the, the use of mushrooms, you're seeing um, aggregating around him is a, an intelligent, scientifically aware, politically aware class of young black folks from Oakland who are moving to improve the situation in Oakland. It takes more than just a few people growing mushrooms and coming together than, and having talks. It takes an organized and systematic approach, uh, including education, outreach, and opportunity for the people in Oakland so they can begin to help themselves and then help other people in their and it also takes spreading the mushrooms. It takes spreading the mushrooms on the beach. Like, don't you need to chur, you need to chum the water. You spread the mushrooms on the oh. beach. Like, if you don't, yes. like, like Mary, just put that. And shit not in only on the beach, Yaro. Wash in. Can literally, you can literally spread mushrooms into everyone's landscaping. So this was done first in the '60s in Golden Gate Park. Folks um, took the Liberty Cat mushrooms from Oregon, and there are uh, numerous patches where Liberty Cat mushrooms grow free in Golden Gate Park, and you can literally harvest them right out of the ground and eat them. If you grow the mycelia for these mushrooms, and you spread them into the wood chips and the landscaping in Oakland, around City Hall, and anywhere else you see this, in, in city parks, etc., you can literally create a, a, a library of intelligence and ethical navigation that grows from the ground in every city for every American to use for free. Let's go. I'm in. Amazing. Rico, you ready? I love how, I love how uh, uh, in, in more words than less, uh, um, you just told Jason uh, that you should be looking at the source and not the fucking symptoms. Source of the problem is where you find a solution. He was just saying there was less litter, and I was just giving an example of a city that didn't have less litter. That's all. Very, you very. Know, the, yeah. Black Panthers were dismantled because of racism. Period. And the chickens have come to Good roost. Point. Oh, boy. <laughs> A personal anecdote, uh, my ex-girlfriend Dana Ribeiro's dad was Frank Parkey Grace. He was a Black Panther in New Bedford, Massachusetts, and he did 10 years uh, for killing an FBI officer that he actually did not kill. He was framed for it. He eventually ended up getting out and getting a couple million dollars, but then died of cancer shortly uh, after being released due to the stress of being incarcerated for a crime he didn't commit for over a decade in federal prison. So it's not even just it, that it happened in Oakland. It happened nationwide. Um, the good news is that Battles of the 60s may have been lost due to the greater organization and willingness to use violence and, and unethical means by the intelligence and police states. However, the war was not lost. 
LSD, mushrooms, and cannabis continue to abound, continue to um, integrate with the human psyche and the human heart space. And what we're seeing now is we're having a, we had the thesis that chemicals and white supremacy and the American way of life that everybody in the MAGA team wants to go back to, uh, we're going to win the day. Then we had the antithesis of the hippies and the psychedelic movements and, and freak power saying, no, none of this is right. And then we had the chaos that resulted. And now what we have is the synthesis where folks younger than myself are getting uh, public policy degrees and scientific and medical degrees and are showing through peer-reviewed science these that these chemicals and substances are non-harmful non-toxic and greatly beneficial to humanity and we're actually using the power structure and the systems in place to create the canon of evidence that we need to overturn the illegality of this of these products that everybody can have chance to use them and maybe we can all fucking relax and realize that we're one human family who respect and support the life systems on this planet so that we can continue to navigate space in together oh yeah Rico, you ready? You're right over there. Oh, I'm ready, baby. Okay, there we go. I was over here, I was over here marinating in that funk that uh, that Saint G was kicking right there. So I don't even have to say it. He can tell you that you've been doing something, you've been supporting this racist shit, and I ain't got to oh, say God, it. Oh God, stop it! You're so ridiculous. <laughs> you are so so freaking ridiculous. Stop it. stop it! Stop it! Stop it! I love you. All right, so uh, bringing us home today is second generation cultivator and the founder of Special Teams Consulting, focusing on cannabis real estate. And you know what? Sometimes cannabis real estate. My yeah. pleasure. Y'all know who it is coming to the stage, Yarrow Kubrin. So I, I, put, I put my spectacles on because I saw what it did for St. Germain. It adds like two <laughs> points. I had to go get mine. I was like, that name. this looks really good on him. And like, I need to do what I can, you know, so uh, plus 15 IQ. So, so let's just jump right into it. A bill would ban marijuana use in public, including edibles in New York State. Most municipalities ban the use of alcohol on public streets or outside of venues that specifically allow it. Yet the state's relatively new marijuana doesn't let local governments impose the same restrictions on public consumption of THC, the psychoactive component of marijuana. New York State Senator George Borrello wants to authorize, wants to change that with legislation that would prohibit public use of marijuana in all forms unless specifically authorized by the locality. He calls it a public safety issue, but it's not about the dangers of secondhand smoke. Quote, I'm trying to enact open container laws for marijuana, quote, Borello said. Quote, not just ban smoking it, but vaping, edibles, anything in public places, quote. Borello, R. Jamestown, introduced Senate Bill 7604 last week, and it is co-sponsored in the State Assembly by Michael Novaka, R. Brooklyn. The bill would impose a $125 fine for consuming marijuana in public and allowing municipalities to both enforce a state law and impose their own laws regarding public use of marijuana. Currently, New York state law makes it illegal to smoke cannabis any place tobacco smoking is prohibited, but the fine is only $25 which neither deters violators nor encourages enforcement, Borello said. State law allows people to publicly use the drug in other forms like vaping or edibles, which presents a public safety threat, Borello said. You can't walk down the street chugging a bottle of vodka, but you can get stoned in public, and that is just reckless, he said. As an owner of restaurants that serves alcohol, including the Sunset Bay Beach Club in Irving and Cabana Sam's Sunset Bay Grill, Borello said he fears business owners may be held liable for the actions of customers who get high on, on cannabis at their establishments. 30 or 40 years ago, the levels of THC, the intoxicating component in cannabis, were far lower, maybe 3 or 4%, he said. Today's product is more like 70%, which is like the difference between drinking a glass of wine and drinking a glass of grain alcohol. So right now, someone can come into our restaurant with a pocket full of gummies, and we are responsible for that person's public intoxication, he said. Borello said many states that have legalized cannabis restrict consumption to private residences, including California. New York City recently lost its, launched its Let's Be Blunt campaign reminding people about non-smoking laws after a wave of complaints about odor violations. Prohibiting all use of cannabis in public places unless otherwise allowed by the locality would serve as a deterrent to irresponsible use of marijuana, and a $125 fine would show local law enforcement that New York is serious about public consumption in marijuana. 
So hopefully it would serve as a deterrent, he said. This is a public health issue. Though it was submitted by Republicans in a legislator contr legislature controlled by Democrats, Borrello said he hopes the bill will spark public discussion and that even liberal Democrats might support giving localities the power to, pu to regulate the public use of marijuana. Assembly Majority Leader Crystal People Stokes D. Buffalo could not be reached for comment Sunday. The bill was introduced in committee in both houses of the legislature whose 2023 session is over, but Borrello said further discussion may not have to wait until January. We may have a special session before then, he said. Oh, I'll open it on the floor and just let you guys take shots at this. We need to stop people from putting topicals on their arthritic knees in the park because it's a public outfit. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm with you. This is the most unenforceable. Stupidity yeah, stupidity and ignorance by legislative influencers is a public health issue, if you ask me. Um, and also I just really want to go on record over and over and over again, that if there are products at the grocery store that are easily accessible, vitamins, Tylenol, all of these other things that kids can easily get access to at home, they're not being stored properly. It doesn't matter if it's an edible, a drinkable, a tincture, whatever, dog food, kids get into shit, do make sure you're storing it properly. Make sure you're also talking to your kids and say, you can't touch this. This is not yours. And put it where they don't go. Yep. Just got mad. Mm -hmm. He's big mad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, I mean did you guys notice in the press release that it mentions both of his restaurants by name? I mean, they might as well have just included a URL for a reservation. And right. <laughs> like, I mean, shameless self-promotion is something I mastered decades ago. This guy has got a lot of leveling up to do in respects to how he weaves <laughs> in his personal financial interest <laughs> into an important public health debate. The other thing I thought was really sad was, you know, w cannabis was not three or four percent potency 30 or 40 years ago. I'm here to say that I was there. I know. And, 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 and you know, this notion that, I mean, it, again, back to the destigmatization. Are we banning people from taking intoxicating prescription medication in public? If grandma just had hip surgery and needs to hit off a little half nibble of a Vicodin, is that something she can't do while she's sitting in the park because it's a painkiller and an opiate? So I just, uh, uh, you know, this, what I love about this press release is it shows us how much work we still will have to do in New York, how they haven't gotten it right yet, and how much the value of California experience will still be important and applicable as we roll out and push back against these nonsensical things that frankly it looks like a press release than it does a policy position. And this guy, this guy won by 70% um, um, of the vote. He ain't going nowhere, man. Uh, no, no, you have people like this that are running your district. Um, replace them. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why he can't just spread it out on the beach. Put it on the beach, bro. I, I just wonder who's actually even going to enforce this in the in in the first place. I mean, you have New York when when they decriminalized cannabis, uh, they were just like everyone you can smoke anywhere on your stoop, any, anywhere else, anywhere you could smoke a cigarette. And so I just don't Eating see how they attack will now be articulable, probable cause. You see those like audit the police. Mm -hmm. They will be like, excuse me, sir, am I being detained? or am I free to go? No, we saw you eat a Tic Tac. Now we're going to need to look at the label of that Tic Tac to see if it's infused. And if it is infused, whether it's too, like, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Exactly. It's crazy. How long yeah. till New York police choke someone to death for a non-medicated gummy? <laughs> oh, a CBD, a CBD Delta eight gummy. <laughs> Drop that gummy right now. Yep. I'm just, I'm just, I'm gonna, I, I think I'll see it with, I think we'll see it though, Matthew. I think we'll see it sooner with, with uh, some vape cart though. I would imagine in New York than, a, than, than edible gummy. You know, I, I think as somebody who just hates right now, the but... fuck out of cigarette smoke, pardon my French. If somebody hates cigarette smoke, like Oz against exposing other people to smoke, if they don't want to smell it are, are cool with me. Right. Whole the whole edible trip just makes no with alcohol, you know, not having public intoxication with alcohol or public use of alcohol makes sense because alcohol is actually a socially dangerous and socially deleterious drug. And so I can see not, not approving that. But when you smoke weed in the park, you just want to look at tree birds and get along. I think we need more, yeah, and appreciate mm -hmm. humanity a little bit more. Yeah, hallelujah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
Mm-hmm. And, uh, and don't don't touch alcohol, okay? I'm from the wine country. I'm repping, <laughs> you know. You just stop stop that. Chartreuse <laughs> is not chartreuse without a little Pinot Grigio oh, or a Oakless Sauvignon Blanc on the side. So there's place there's a place for other you know plant based products. I mean you know. It, People do like a little booze with their lunch, and I'm not yes, trying yes, to hate yes, on yes, that. Yes, yes, y'all, we're, we're over, we're over tied up. We gotta, we gotta wrap it up though, man. But, but definitely, uh, I love seeing that all, all of this uh, reefer madness stuff that's happening in New York is coming from Republicans. Just saying, Jason. Oh, God. But thank you all for go. joining today's episode of High at Nine News. Catch us live, live weekdays, 9 a.m. Pacific, high at noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to super fans showing us love, getting their comments live on the big screen. Live audience members, online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in for conversations on the daily headlines of chaos. To our vetted correspondent team, tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety of perspective and your respected opinions to the table. To our production team, Team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, The Vortex, all our sponsors keeping us the lights on and our AV struggles to a minimum. Of course, the lovely Zsa, Zsa Simone holding us down on the other platforms. And always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason the High Nine News team shows up and reads these headlines every single day. Thank you. It's Monday, July 24th, 2023. The show's over. You've been all been blessed with today's top industry headlines. Hope it was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. I'm Rico Lumi, the dopest dad on the street. Mandy Tingler. What you got for us? Take us out. If you haven't heard, make sure you visit thewomenscannaawards.com and nominate your favorite California women in weed for all of our special recognition awards. The big event is 11-11-23. Stamp it on your calendar. See you there. 11-11.